right, so we're back for part two, uh, the much anticipated part two of our podcast with Mr. White Bill Morgan. And so we're excited to be able to trot out the second session with Mr. Morgan. But before we do that, and again, in honor of his presence, we're going to take a listen to just an outstanding song uh, from the 1970s, actually different, different decade, uh, this session. Um, but it was Mr. Morgan's salad day. So let's take a listen to Cream with White Room. In a white room with black curtains near the station. Black roof country, no gold payments, tired stallings. Oh, that takes you back, doesn't it, my friend? That takes you straight back. What'd you think? It takes you back. And I'll tell you what, the audience here demanded it. The people at home demanded it. The thousands of people uh, downloading demanded it. And you know what? Part two of uh, of, of the whole White Bill uh, experience uh, is now on us. And there is no better lead in, my friend. Couldn't agree more. And for a man, very few of us have ever experienced the sight of tired starlings. But I believe Mr. White Bill Morgan is one. Oh, that's that's correct. With Azima, by the way, with Azima. <laughs> you won't catch him without one at this point. Oh, uh, the only one that hasn't had a theme in this episode is when bias. Unfortunately. But uh, you know what? When you're dealing with Mr. Morgan, you pay your money, it takes your chances. Correct. What I would what I would suggest, again, we have a great studio audience. Bill is staying over a little bit. We, they are great. They're a great audience. They're fantastic. Again, there's, there's one host to this show, so I sorry. don't need you to I'm jump just, in. I'm doing a little Ed McMahon. I'm not, not helpful. Not helpful. We're not, we're not looking for another co-host. I've already got Brad. Sorry. Not looking for that. Um, but uh, one of the things I thought we could do, Brad, is talk about some of the great sports uh, innovations of the last 40 years. Hmm. Let's do it. Okay. So, uh, Bill, one of the things I thought we could do to innovate in sports was to introduce an aluminum bat into baseball. Uh, for one hitter, Brad uh, took for the position. Major League Baseball. Yeah, no, no, the, the, the fucking Little League. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Major League. All right. So Brad said, no, it would be better if for twenty seconds during an NBA game, one player would be allowed to loan about to strike the other team. Um, now, too dangerous. Yeah, way too dangerous. Of course. Yeah, and crazy, right? Ten seconds, maybe twenty seconds. Forget it. Yeah, you, you're gonna love it. Um, so the question is, if you could import a piece of technology into a sport that would make it better, what would you do? Because you're, you're obviously a set. You're, you're a man of a sportsman. Some would say others wouldn't, but some hmm. would. What would you, what would you say? Um, wow. Well, you, you have to think about what sports have really been impacted the most by technology. Yeah. Which would be baseball, certainly one of them, I would think. How? With bats. <laughs> With bats. Well, if you use a Luma yes. bat... Within the Major League Baseball, that's going to be a huge thing. Well, baseball is um, probably the least impacted. Because- golf, golf with the clubs they have nowadays. Yeah. Tennis with the rackets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's not just a sidewinding segment where you, where you muse on all the sports. No, it's I'm like just trying to focus think which, on one. Well, I'm trying to think of the be- the best one or what I. Brad, would- am I wrong here? No, he needs to home in. Come on, Billy. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a podcast. I mean, this isn't, uh, we're not slowly walking our way across to Asia. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, that's right. I forgot you guys. I mean, in the last in the last Nielsen book, I'm our, gonna have to go with you know. I, I our kinda, average audience was was over the age of sixty, so some, wow. at least nineteen people I kinda, died during this episode. All right, so. I have to like. I, I do like the idea of the aluminum bat in Major League Baseball. I have to jump on that because I think that would add offense. It would add excitement. It would, you know, whenever you use the bat, maybe after the seventh inning stretch, a guy comes up with home run power or whoever, even a guy without home run power, that makes it even better because now a guy that's, uh, you know, has got six home runs can jack one 400 feet. So when do you use it, it, though? You can only use it for one hitter, right? And so you're Casey Stengel. I'm saying right after the seventh inning stretch. It's mandatory. Oh. It's and you to, have to use it, by the way. It's up so, to the team when they can use it? It's up to the manager. He can, one oh. player can hit with an aluminum bat. Oh, that's fantastic. And so here's the thing, That's though, even better. And Brad has written extensively on this. You can look in several IP journals, Georgetown uh, Journal of IP, uh-huh. uh, and I, I believe also Stanford and Harvard. Okay. Among that. Brad, oh. you go to Harvard, right? Online? Uh, well, I, again. I, yeah, I don't, but I know someone who does. Harvard Mass is actually in the Berkshires, I believe. So, And also has a great beach. Fantastic. Well, almost they they rival the beaches of Brockton. Same same white sandy beaches. Pink. Beautiful. Someone say pinks. So the thing is, okay, here's the theory, right? One player gets to use an aluminum bat. And it could be one of those big bats from the late eighties, right? Late seventies. Oh, yeah. Easton. Easton. Yeah. Easton. Easton made Easton great aluminum bats. They get like dense in them. Oh, fantastic. One player gets it, um, and you have to use it. So say for example, you're up ten to one. Yep. Bottom of the eighth. You're at home. Um, your last batter has to use that that at bat. Okay. Or he has to come back out after you win, and they have to go back in the field. Yeah. Well, why would you? Well, that's it. You'd you have, have to, to use it, it during the game. Why would he come back? Have you read Brad's writing on this? I have not. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit. Tired. Brad, am I wrong? On Brad's thesis. I don't know. I got to go back and review my notes. But I, I do think I agree that you have to use it within the course of the regular. Nine inning game. You can't carry your aluminum bat usage into extra innings. So after that, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And maybe you get a new one in extra innings, right? You could. You could. I think again, it depends. That may be one of the things that differentiates the National League from the American League is whether or not you get an extra aluminum bat at bat in extra innings. But but I mean, you you could you could like be very creative. Like remember uh, the the big uh, the big uh, Super Bowl. When uh, the, the the coach for the uh, Saints had the onside kick at the beginning of the second half, yes, yeah. So you can be creative and like literally have some jacked up dude get up there at the first batter and just hit a screeching liner right back at the pitcher off one of those Eastern bats, or you hold out. You know, you know that's it. And another rule that it could be talked about for to implement would be in in basketball. If your team is down by ten points or more going into the fourth quarter. That for the first three minutes of that fourth, the winning team plays with four players and the losing team plays with six. That's a that's fascinating. Oh, that's, how about that? How about this one? Again, I mean, it's just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah, that's to kind of even it out. I mean, that's one that's worthy of a lot of debate. Not on this podcast. No, no, that's a whole different that's thing. Completely. That's whole, yeah, that's that's, that, that's a Bill Simmons. That's like the Marjon podcast. You want to go talk to the old women that do that? Uh, we're not we're not having that discussion. What about this though? This is something Brad and I have kicked around. Um, putting a wild tiger on a MLS soccer field. Well, that would be exciting. Brad, during the second See, period or first? A, it doesn't matter because Bill just made the, the most important, most salient point. It would make it exciting, which right. you know, currently MLS is not. So yeah. But see, see, six on four in basketball is exciting, but it's not life-threatening. Is this tiger clawed or declawed? Exactly. Yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think so. No, claws. 
That decoy clock. Is it's it on there. a chain or anything? No, it's not on a chain. No, it's wild. It's running, running around. Now, it's very dangerous. Well, they make a lot of money, so maybe they would, you know, risk it. Now, Brad had the how hypothesis where he talked about it is again extensive writings at Dartmouth about whether or not you could put the the uh, tiger on the ice. Right, Brett? Sure. Was that the Howard Gretzky? The tiger would not fear. The tiger's not an ice cat. It's got claws. It kind of evens nah, it out, though. It I don't I think it would slip and slide. You shut all the Brad's theory was you shut all the doors, lock them in, and you get the tiger on the ice, a rabid, starving tiger. With who, hockey players? Correct. Five and five. Yeah. Interesting. And I, I, I can say it, I don't think it's ever been done. Well, that's the whole point of the podcast. Yeah, it's innovation. Been done. Yeah, I like it. It's a it's a great. Was that Brad's idea? It's fantastic. It's Brad, Brad's written about it extensively in his writings at Cornell. I mean, my goodness, it's, it's, have it's we not inno- said this? It's innovation and it's it, it, yeah. I mean, I, I you know when you when you talk about stuff like that, introducing tigers or whatever you may you know uh, cats that can uh, whatever cats of prey, you harken back to the days of the Roman gladiators. Yeah. Hmm. Do you want to harken back to the days of the Roman gladiators? I mean, not really. I, I don't. Brad, do you? Uh, I mean, I could, but, you know, we're winding it down at this point, and that sort of opens up a whole other line of debate, if you will. I mean, do we, are, we, are, we, are we good with the gladiators? Do we not like the gladiator thing? Would I'd like you to use see a tiger? how a tiger or a lion would perform on the ice. I need to see that. Uh, you know what? Well, I, think you, I think you need to go snow leopard there. If you go snow leopard, I think you... You know, there's every opportunity for the cat to be fine. I mean, well, it's I mean, called again, a snow leopard. Are we worried about more about the cat than we are the people? Well, I mean, we I'm want it to be entertaining, right? I mean, if the cat just slides around and lays down, that's not entertaining. I mean, well, Brad, let me ask you this again. I, I don't. That's true. I, I know we're at the uh, end of our second uh, part of this two-part series, mm-hmm. um, but uh, if we did another hypothetical time machine, mm-hmm. and again, it's all hypothetical in the line of time travel, and say Bill went back to the gold medal game at Lake Placid in 1980 mm. with a rabid tiger that had skates on all four paws mm-hmm. and put it on the ice, um, who wins that game and why? What game are you talking about? You're talking the gold about the- medal game. Not, not, the, not the Soviet... The Sweden game, the gold medal game. The Tiger probably wins that game, don't you think? Well, now, does the Tiger have those, like, double-bladed skates you used to use as a kid? Or are they just regular hockey skates, one on each paw? Bauer regular hockey skates. Razor sharp, though. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't want to put the cat at a disadvantage. You need an edge. It's a hockey game, for Pete's sake. It's not figure skating. It's a gold medal hockey game, Brad. That's correct. The audience knows. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there are not a lot of tigers in Sweden, so I think they're out. That you know, they they are probably knocked off their pregame strategy by the appearance of the tiger. Whereas I think in the states, you know, we see that kind of thing all the time. So I, I think you, uh, I think you wind up with a very similar outcome. Yeah. And then the question is, should it all be barter banned? Well, I, I mean, based on the expressions and the faces of most of our studio audience, we probably should have banned and barred this segment earlier. But uh, I don't know. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think it's probably not fair to anyone to put large cats in the midst of sporting events. Not fair to the cat, not fair to the players. Maybe we should just rethink the whole thing. 
Which which does I'm not sure that we get back to the excitement factor. That well, would I mean, be it would be exciting. Like the like the great uh great um Andrew Don, Don Andrew Kent. Andrew Lloyd Webber play Cats. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was if there was one thing that was not exciting, it was that play. Wait, you saw that play? <laughs> I absolutely oh. saw that play in the nineteen <laughs> in the nineteen eighties. I sure did. It was better than the movie. I haven't seen the yeah. movie. So I cannot comment on that, but I can tell you that I uh, I got some quality shut eye in the middle of uh, cats. I'm assuming you saw that with the lovely former Krista Ring. I did actually. We were together at the time, and we went together. But we went because the lovely Billy Sheaf, my mother, she dragged myself, my date, the lovely and talented now Mrs. Krista Sheaf, and my poor old man. To the National Theater in Washington, D.C., where we saw <laughs> cats. That's fantastic. I yes, love it. Indeed. Yes, indeed, sir. So, yes, indeed. So your, your mom was a musical theater buff? Oh, huge. Huge. Really? Yeah, oh. yeah. So um, how about... Okay. Let me, well, let me, no, let me ask you this. So what date was that, Brad, so I can program that into the time machine for the next episode? Oh, that'd be good. Boy, I don't... Uh, that's, a, that's a good quote. Late 80s. I, I couldn't tell you the date. Probably 88. If okay, Cadet, 1988. If Cadet Sheaf, right, Cadet, which I was Cadet at the time, yes, yeah, had had experienced that, and had someone clearly from the future wearing clothes mm-hmm. that were very much clothes that people wore in the eighties. Um, I was just going to say, if it's Billy, I mean, he's just going to look like he you know, walked out of a phone booth. For Pete's sake, <laughs> drives up in his car. Hey, yeah. hey, buddy, Zima. Hey, here's a Zima. What, now, what do you where's, do? Where's Len Bias? What do you do? You say, you say, hey, wait a minute, you must be from the future. What is this drink? Or do you take a tug off one because you're a cat? <laughs> I, I, it, I look at at the gentleman offering me the beverage. Yes, and if you simply, see Bill, simply by looking at him, I know it's alcoholic. So yeah. I take it. I'm on my way into cats. Are you kidding yeah. me? Thank you. thank you, Brad. And then you and then you say you look at him and you say thank you, and he looks at you and says, "You're welcome." In 40 years, yeah. we will be doing a podcast together, <laughs> and you will be asking me about going back in time to help you at the <laughs> National Mall for this episode. You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I my life has gotten better. I now have. An alcoholic beverage, albeit a Zima. So, I mean, we're not, you know, top shelf, but we're better than we were. And I can take it in with me to Cats. And, and I'll be looking forward to the opportunity 40 years in the future to, nice. to uh, return the favor. Except like there's, like one, there's one big gaping hole in this whole thing. Right? There's mm-hmm. zero chance Cadet Sheaf goes back into that play with one Zima and the old man doesn't take it from him. So you're going to have to give him two. That'd be Larry Sheaf. It'd be Larry Sheaf. It'd be yeah. Larry Sheaf. Yeah. No, I mean, if you okay. wanted the Zima, he was going to probably come away with it. First well, of all, he's just given it to him. Well, first of all, there's a good chance Larry Sheaf, even in the latter circumstance, takes two Zimas and drinks them. And Cadet Sheaf has zero. Or maybe a Coke and a smile and shuts the fuck up. Yeah. Or Larry Sheaf <laughs> sees me with the four, the four pack of Zima, breaks my arm, takes all four, they go and have Elwood. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. A- Cadet Chief still doesn't get any. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Brad. This has been a great two-part series. It has. Uh, it really has. Any, we'll have any, to do it again. Any parting, parting thoughts, Bill? Do you have any parting thoughts? Or? Um, I, no, not really. Um, I'm, uh, th- it was all over the place, which was great. 
which was fantastic. Again, we have weather on the eights coming up in like thirty seconds. No, I understand so. that, but it, it was a it was a gr- great various topics of conversation, uh, various scenarios, which were really awesome. And look, as with some of our episodes, and Brad will attest to this, a good time was had by some. By some, yeah, sure, I, yeah. And that's all we're really shooting for. We're not they trying to give everybody a good time. As long as some people no, have a Brad, good time, you know we're fine. If you can get most of the people a good time, you've done your job. That's correct. Well, hey, Brad, I'll tell you what, another great episode. The studio audience is amped. We're going to get out there and sign those copies of the uh, IPDA source code in double byte, which is going to be difficult. It's going to require both hands uh, and uh, Sharpie. Uh, but uh, any parting thoughts? No, again, I completely agree. Just an, an excellent episode. One for the books, and I look forward to uh, seeing some of those copies of the source code on eBay shortly after you're done signing. And Brad, I'll see you on the uh, wild, uh, uh, wet sand of Brockton probably within a couple of days. That's my hope, my friend. I'll see you there. Amen. At the party, she was kindness in the heart.